0: And welcome to the Turning Point, a weekly show that's been created to help you overcome the challenges of having the career you always dreamed of. Together, we're going to be learning how to overcome those obstacles that may stand in your way. My guests will give you an insight into their own turning point and what issues they came across when starting their journey to a happier working life. Today's guest is Adam Stevens of Intelligent Eating, who describes himself as deemed overzealous by many a vegan, an atheist, and getting exceptional results in
1: an arena deemed smoke and mirrors. Adam, welcome. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a lovely introduction. i uh, probably alienated over half my audience so far, but okay. <laughs> so why, why are you classed as overzealous? Well... I think there's a number of reasons. Um, probably the main one, I think, is because I, I'm so passionate about what I do, sometimes I, I can overcook it to the point that I may actually get, get to the point of almost offending people, uh, although not intentionally. So it's for the greater good, then? I, I think so, yeah. Like it, or lump it. Yeah.
0: All right, so we might as well just start at the beginning. We talk. Let's talk about your past career, where it started, and then we'll go on to where it changed.
1: Yeah, sure. I am... Um, done lots of jobs over the years and, and they've mostly been sales related so it's been sort of e- either selling directly or managing people um, but really where I got to with this and I sort of figured out what I wanted to do but it was kind of a hobby was I was working as a sales manager I had a decent team I grew a team um, for a company which was selling fire safety equipment uh, and I kind of liked that because I thought well that helps people and it saves lives and, and so on and so on but The more I did that job and the more I sort of started working part time, quote unquote, on my own gig, uh, which sort of delved into, you know, work hours as well. I realized that actually a lot of people weren't dying in fires anymore and lots of people were dying from the things that I was trying to solve. So I thought, well, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Maybe I can influence and help a lot more people by doing the thing that I love. Uh, And actually, I think people will kind of take care of themselves not having fires these days. That's kind of what happened is, is one side of it anyway.
0: Yeah, good news that people are not dying in fires.
1: Well, in the sense that if I was to use an analogy, uh, which I think is, is, is kind of helpful, that you know, if you look at, for example, the fire service over the last 100 years, their role has really changed from actually going and putting out fires, which they still do, of course. Um, and we're very lucky to live in a country where we do have that service. But where their role hasn't really been sort of so much pr- primarily going to put out fires now. It's primarily moved to education. So the fire service will go around and visit schools and children and talk to them about you know, how to prevent it. And from my side, what I do with nutrition yeah. is, is almost the same. We, we've kind of learned a lot of lessons over the years. Now what I'm talking about is, is preventing a lot of these problems. So that, right. that sort, of, it sort of came together, if that makes sense.
0: So that, did your interest in nutrition come about from a, a
1: certain thing? Did well, something happen? Well, ever- yeah, I mean, it's, I, I was, I, I, I was diagnosed with a heart problem at birth. I had heart surgery as, as a, as a baby. Now that never qualified me as such to do anything in, in this arena of, of nutrition and certainly not healthcare either. But where I've been close to the medical profession you know, since, since I can remember, I'd all, I'd always been conscious of it. And i would always seen a lot of changes as well. And I, it really kind of came to a head and I thought, well, I've actually got a huge amount of knowledge here, and I think I can make a difference to not just people with my heart condition, but actually the general population. As I realised that there were a lot of similarities, so that's kind of what what got me into it very initially. Anyway,
0: so why was the was the cut fairly sudden? Was it just a, a cut and burn? Was it progressive? And what made you just what was the thing where you just thought, "Wow"? I'm, I'm just going to have to crack on with this and
1: move away. Well, there were a number of factors. I think there were push and pull factors. I think one of the strongest factors to to pull me towards this and say, hey, this is what I need to do for the rest of my life was really just looking at society in general and just seeing that people were getting fatter and getting sicker and thinking, hold on a sec, no one's doing anything about this. So that was kind of solving a problem, which kind of makes sense from many levels, but also from a business level. Um, and the push factors were thinking, well, "I'm not really making much difference in doing this job that I'm doing." There's always going to be somebody else that can go and do this job of managing a sales team or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of where I got from it.
0: So when you thought, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this this switch. Yeah. What sort of things came up in front of you that a might might have slowed you down? Um, may have stopped you maybe rethink what you were doing. Um, and just what, what, was, what do you think were the sort of big obstacles sort of standing in your way to stop you getting to where you want to be?
1: That, that's a really good question. Um, and the biggest obstacle, of course, was, okay, how am I going to make money out of what I'm doing? Because if I go and walk out my job, which you did, um, I'm not going to have any income stream. And that to me was like, I've got this gorgeous apartment in, in a marina village near Portsmouth. And I've got this gorgeous girlfriend that I need to finance and take out for dinner, all this kind of stuff. Um, and, a, you know, a great motorbike that was on finance and all this kind of stuff that I kind of enjoyed doing. And I thought, hmm, if I walk away from this, what's going to happen to all those things? And then I thought about, OK, well, it is what it is, but I'm not going to know till I try. It was a risk. There's no two ways about it. But that was that the financial side of it was the big one. Yeah.
0: Was it was it a case of well I'm I've was there any savings to running up to it minimal did you did did, did you so it, it wasn't a case of right I'm going to do this by this date I've got x amount of time to build up some sort of cash in the bank a bit of a cushion or was it right and I, I know what I'm going to do it's it's going to happen or it's not and if I don't do something sudden then I may not do that was that the, the kind of thing
1: it was exactly that. It was exactly that last option. It was, you know, what if I don't do anything about this now, maybe I never will. And so from there, I thought, bollocks, let's just go for it and see what happens. Because I'm never going to starve, I, you know, in this country. I'm all, I can always get a job if things go for the worst. So what? Let's do it.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, we do live in that kind of society where that's um, something that we do have available to us, don't we? Yeah. So if we, if obviously the the biggest thing for you, uh, I would imagine that is for uh most of the people out there it certainly was for me when i started my career uh, is obviously the financial so what other things that not necessarily money related uh or even personal it might be in the messaging it might have been people listen to you what other things did you find a bit of a hurdle to get your sort of message out there
1: one of the hurdles was actually getting people to take me seriously quite frankly that that was certainly one of the, the, the big big hurdles um I think so many other hurdles really were in understanding not just, okay, this is what I do, but how do I get this message out there? How do I, the actual mechanics of it, you know, what what technologies can I use? What should I be doing? Who should I be speaking to? All these sorts of things that in a large organization I'd work for, all those things were already established. And I simply had one function. So it's going from one function to a huger amount of functions very quickly, instantly.
0: Do you find it hard for people to actually listen to? I know um, it is often it's something that's addressed by a lot of people because everybody wants to eat better and for whether they want to lose weight, just a general healthier lifestyle. Do you find a lot of people it's just, yay, we're going to do this. And then it fizzles off. Did you have, was that something you kind of had to just get around and convince people that they need to make a change?
1: Well, in, in the, in the initial stages of how I thought this would work. And and this is why it was wonderful. I never put together some amazing business plan because I would have wasted my time. Um, Initially, yeah, absolutely. The idea was preventative nutrition. It was, hey, you know, let's take sort of, you know, guys and girls at sort of my age, sort of in the 30s, and hey, you know, we're going to make you healthy for the rest of your life. Their level of interest was not that great. So it kind of changed, actually, that the people who really took me seriously were the people who were up against the ropes and maybe had more serious health conditions going on that had actually run out of options. And so they'd listen to me because, quite frankly, they'd probably listen to anything.
0: (laughs) So is that what you did? You just targeted those people or is, is that just where you found yourself falling into?
1: Well, I, I think in any, in any business, when you start, you, you have to go after the low hanging fruit, I suppose. And, you know, the people who were up against the ropes, had tough diseases and, and, and would sort of consider any option. They were the easiest target market. So, so that's why I went with it initially. And did it eventually grow further than that and become something else? Yeah, it, it it's now got to the point, and I can only say this sort of five six years in that I'm now starting to work with the people that I really wanted to work with initially and, and almost primarily, which are the people that weren't necessarily up against the ropes, but were the people who I could make a big difference to and improve their future. So, and that's does take a long time to get to that point. And as I guess is a, a, a big question is has it been worth it? Well. I think the answer is the, uh, absolutely yes, w- without a doubt. But there's been a lot of times along the way where I've thought, "Oh, this is this is tough, a lot tougher than ever thought it would be."
0: Do you find that the reason for that is because of a particular industry, or just general unknown? A bit of I forgot I've, the word escapes me. Um,
1: well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I
0: think a lot of it. Na- sorry, I was going to say naivety.
1: Naivety. Yeah. I think that's probably quite a good word actually, and if we if we put that into sort of a business model mix to some extent, really all I all I had, and, and it's only now things are starting to change where I can't service the number of people that I want to at one time, I've only had information to sell, so it's consultancy. And, and in this sector particularly, it, it's a tough as on a consultancy. Um, so I think if I was to look back and go, okay, well, what would have made things easier? I think it would have been some form of productization And do you find that
0: um, even though your business has moved into the thing that you want it to be, would that business plan you had that you may have written before apply now or would it still
1: be a waste of time? I I think honestly, I think it would still be a waste of time. And I I say that because what I'm doing is, is I think there's a lot of things that would apply to all businesses. But with what I've got, it's evolved so quickly in ways that I could never have imagined that a business plan may have actually been a hindrance more than a help to some extent. Uh, and that's a kind of strange answer, but, but that, that that's, that's pretty accurate.
0: Well, no, I get I get exactly where you're coming. You feel that it would have strangled what it is now, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly that.
0: So some advice around that. Would you say, well, obviously it's going to be sector product specific, but would you advise to just get down some rough ideas of what people want to do and then almost start running with it? And just give it that bit of fluidity so that it can adapt to what they're doing at any given time.
1: Yeah, I think, I think there's no two ways about it. If there's anything that I've learned from this, and I think it could probably be applied fairly generically, is you have to be able to adapt and you don't know until you launch something whether people are going to be interested or not. That, that's the big thing that I took from this.
0: And once that's out there, then it's kind of, you've got to react to um, alter something to get it to what it needs to be at that moment in time and then grow from there.
1: Yeah, exactly. You've got real data then, real customer data that you can start to work with. And you don't know that until, until you've got something.
0: Yeah. I had a conversation with a friend um, actually earlier this week. And a local business center near us is offering some free uh, coaching, office space uh, and things like that for new startups. And to be in with a chance of winning, that person or newly created company had to write a business plan. With growth and all, and how it's going to, um, and what they're going to do, really, um, and the best one won. And mm. the outcome of the conversation I had with a friend was, "What's the point in that? They're not actually testing an individual or individuals' capabilities going forward." What came out of that, and it was a, re- uh, this example was, get people to see who can make the most amount of money or profit in. A short, a short period of time, which for me seems better. I mean, a, a business plan is great, but it's, it, I, I've yet to read a business plan or see one that's st- stuck to X amount of years down the line. Mm. I, I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's, I don't think it can happen. It's it just can't, can it? Even the biggest corporations out there have to adapt um, and because it provides for something that's going to be better. So, I, I Our suggestion was, let's, let's get them doing that and actually get them working rather than just sat behind a computer type away a document, get them doing what they say they're going to actually do.
1: I think, I, th- I think there's times when it can be useful. I think in times of perhaps somebody buys a franchise, somebody enters a network marketing arena where there is just essentially there is a, a path to follow. But in the arena of a startup, a, a true startup that, that's raw with the whole roller coaster that goes with it, I, I think a business plan can, can, can be problematic. Um, definitely.
0: And like you say yourself, certainly wouldn't have worked for you.
1: No, it it, it it wouldn't have worked for me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I put something together to get um, a little bit of funding to start with. But it, but if I would look back on it now, it's completely nonsensical for what I've got going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's essentially used just as a bit of a, well, this is what I want to do. So you it, that didn't necessarily have to be a business plan, did it? If you were not going for any funding, it might have just been, right, this is my goal. It's written in front of me.
1: I will achieve that. Well, put, put it this way, with, with what I did put together at, at that time, it was to convince other people, but it certainly didn't convince me.
0: Yeah, I get Yeah. <laughs> so just moving on a little bit from that, if you um, could look back on a, a young you or somebody doing what uh, you've done or what many people are doing is going to decide to make a change, whether they're just thinking about it, they've got uh, confident issues about it like you said the financial one what would be your biggest tip uh, for somebody who's looking to make such a huge change because it is a big change isn't it it's going from one thing to a completely different thing
1: it's a massive change it's a change in everything it's a, it's a change to your not not just income but it's a change to your whole routine your way of life the way you speak to people the way you dress in many instances it's completely life-changing my advice if it was to a younger me would have been to have done it sooner before i got involved with the beautiful gal and had the lovely flat and all this kind of stuff um because that that made things a bit tougher i think
0: so kind of go for something where you might not have money before you've got money absolutely exactly that what 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 things do you feel do you feel you've to learn you've had to learn sorry to get in along this this new path so I don't mean just managing cash flow or anything like that building a product I mean just the just the general day to day stuff that people might not necessarily think
1: I think what people have to understand and this is being very pragmatic and and perhaps very you know, very raw and very blunt is that whatever you're going to do you've got to be able to sell it. You've got to be able to sell it. Um, it doesn't matter what type of business you will become a salesperson. That's that that's the biggest yeah. thing, I think.
0: So it's it's know the brand inside out, in your sleep, and be saying the same thing every time for consistency.
1: Well, there is that. But then again, I've met, you know, some very intelligent people in, in some sectors where, you know, you've got to really be incredibly book smart and they know their brand inside out and they know exactly what they're doing, but they can't sell it. And and if you can't sell it, it's going nowhere. Well,
0: you can't say anything more straightforward than that. Hmm.
1: So, how
0: can people get in touch with you? Well, what can they see? Where can they see what you do?
1: Well, exactly. I mean, the, the best place to to see what I do is through my website. And if you want to see what I do, you you don't read the about page. You read the sort of case studies or something like that on my website. Uh, but you look at the website, which is which is intelligent eating. So it's intelligent like intelligent people eating like food. Uh, org
0: very good and uh, these case studies take a while to load but they are worthwhile reading so remember that very true so adam much appreciate uh, your time on this one and thanks for sharing your story daniel it's a pleasure thanks for having me so that's it for this episode of the turning point i've been your host daniel moore and our guest today has been adam stevens remember together we can make one of life's biggest hurdles much easier to overcome